The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn a sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. It's another gloomy day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Not a whole lot of sunshine, not really raining, but I walked outside today and it wasn't a thousand degrees. Maybe it's starting to cool off. Maybe I doubt it. Hang but on, hang on. The first football <laughs> game hasn't happened. You can't see that. I know. That. I know. I can. I can dream. Right. We can dream that the weather's try, trying to cool I off in this you, state. It's gonna feel like it's 105 degrees on September oh, 3rd against yes, Mercer. Yeah. Unfortunately, but good news is those first two games are night games, so we don't have to worry about sweating to death at 11 a.m. kickoffs. But here we are, the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika sports leader we have a jam-packed show today and we'd love to hear from you phone lines are open 334-321-1390 that's the number to put you through to us call in be a part of the show be on the line we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 here in hour number one we're going to talk to jordan hill of dogs 247 Uh, we'll talk to him about everything going on over in athens what the mindset is as we are 10 days away from kickoff from uh, georgia getting started auburn Alabama, all the other schools getting started in this 2022 season. So we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 at 230 here in this first hour. But, Carter, we have so much to talk about. Again, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. We're 10 days away from Auburn football kicking off the season and we still don't have a starting quarterback. We thought yesterday was going to be the day. Turns out it wasn't. Turns out we were wrong and... We still have a starting quarterback for Auburn. I think it's time to be worried. I really do. I, I, I have not. I'm really. <laughs> I ended last show by saying if it doesn't happen last night, if the announcement isn't last night, it's time to start having a discussion about does this coaching staff truly believe in TJ Finley? And I think you're, you're getting there because in order for him, because Brian Harson was scheduled to talk to the media. He ended up just making comments about the uh, captains and didn't take questions and and kind of cut off his media availability short. To me, I think he he came off the scrimmage Friday, practice Saturday when he met with the, the media, and he was thinking, we are going to name TJ Finley the quarterback on Tuesday. And then this, t- to me, I I have to wonder if they went back and looked at the film and they all of a sudden have their doubts. Yeah, I mean, look, we thought yesterday was the day. I think everybody else thought yesterday was the day we were going to learn who the starting quarterback for Auburn was. It seems like all the signs are still pointing toward TJ Finley, but yet here we are on Wednesday, August 24th, 
And we still don't have a starting quarterback for Auburn. We're 10 days away from the season and the stuff that we've been preaching about for over a week where you need to name a starting quarterback, we still don't have one. And so the question now becomes, when is this going to happen? And not just who is it going to be, but when are we going to learn who the starting quarterback is going to be? Yeah, I think we can safely say it's not going to be one of the three, and that is going to be Zach Calzada. I think... I think what this tells me, the fact that it didn't happen last night, is that this thing is, and I, I, I feel bad because I don't feel like the fan base, us, anybody has really taken Robbie Ashford fully seriously in this race. I think it's close. Like I think it's a legitimate neck and neck battle, and that that's the only reason why. This has not been settled yet. And that is, whether whether that is Robbie Ashford is getting that much better every day and TJ's not, or they're both struggling, or like Robbie's, Robbie's get, gotten a little better and TJ has stalled. Like, I just don't know. I don't know. Because it's not like you're playing a big, uh, if we were playing a big opponent on the first game, then maybe maybe there's some gamemanship to this. There's 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 you aren't naming the starter to leave it a leave less time for that big opponent to prepare, and maybe behind closed doors when the media is not there, maybe it's actually settled and you're just pulling playing a little smoke and mirrors game. It's freaking Mercer. Yeah, that's not the case in this. <laughs> that's not the case for week one. I, I think what we have been talking about is true. There is little to no separation in this quarterback room right now, whether it's between TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford, whether it's between all three of them, whatever the case may be, there is little to no separation in this quarterback battle. And at this point, do the coaches truly know who their quarterback's going to be? Maybe. But from what we know and from what we see and from what we hear, they have no idea who it's going to be yet. And you know what? That's extremely worrisome because you're 10 days away you would expect somebody by now to have stepped up, separated themselves, and say, I'm the man, I'm taking this job, this is my football team, and we haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I think my from yesterday's show to now, my, my perspective has changed a little bit, um, trying to gather every bit of information I can. I, just, I think this is closer than we all imagined it was possible for for Robbie Ashford I think it's so you think he has a legitimate chance to be QB1 by the time Mercer rolls around I'm starting to feel that way I and, it's possible and, and I'd like every day that passes the percent chance in my mind that Robbie Ashford takes the first snap of the season in 2022 it only goes up I it think it go down yeah I mean I think that's a legitimate statement I mean because the closer you get you have to be thinking that exact thing is like well this really could be anybody's game. I mean, this could be any guy walking out there and starting at the quarterback position for Auburn until he is named, which means the the longer that this goes, unless Brian Harson and the coaching staff are just deciding to play with everybody and just mess around which and not... There, there's no reason to do that. Exactly. Though. There's no reason to do that. And so my point is, and our point is, the longer this goes on and the closer we get to the season and the start of this season in 2022 the more concerning it is and the more uh, of a possibility that this really could be either T.J. Finley or Robbie Ashford as the starting quarterback. And I think one thing that we can all agree on 
it will not be Zach Calzada. I mean, it sounds like he is a very solid QB3 right now, which is, again, just so mind-blowing that, uh, uh, I mean, a month ago, two weeks ago, we were all convinced it was going to be Zach Calzada. Nobody had any doubts about it, and here we are now. He's not even in the conversation. I some people are trying to force him into that conversation still and I just don't I don't see how you do that with everything you've heard like, not with 10 days before the season it is it is clearly if you're gonna go that route of true pocket passer TJ's your guy because he's he's been that consistent guy in terms of how to handle everything running through all the progression all the pre-snap reads he's been that guy Zach hasn't so if you're gonna go pocket passer, I don't know how you can you can sit here with a straight face and tell me Zach Calzada somehow gonna spin the narrative, flip it all on its head, and win this job with ten days out. I mean, there's it's just not no way. Happen. No, there's no way. Not in ten days. If he hasn't won it by now, Zach Calzada, it's not his job anymore. It never was, and I guess it never will be at this point because you have ten days left. You're not winning the starting quarterback job in 10 days if you're Zach Calzada, who is apparently a very solid, just set-in-stone QB3. I'm, I'm not going to go as far as say it never will be. I mean, give the guy time to to get comfortable on the offense if that's really the issue. And Because everything you've heard is, of the three guys, he's the most naturally gifted passer. So if he gets to a point that he's comfortable enough in the offense, getting everybody lined up, all that type stuff... I expect him to be a part of the conversation, and that may not be until next year, till till this next spring, when Zach Calzada reemerges in this conversation. But doesn't that worry you that Zach Calzada were to transfer from Texas A&M, a big-time SEC school, to Auburn, another big-time SEC school, and not win the quarterback battle in his first year? I mean, those were not his expectations, right? You don't transfer from Texas A&M to Auburn to be the third-string quarterback and play for the next year. If you're somebody like Zach Calzada, you transfer to Auburn to be the starting guy, to be the man on that football team, I mean, does he hang around and, and watch this go down and hang out with Auburn as a quarterback and hope that he can beat out Holden Garner next year? Or does he go somewhere else if he doesn't win this starting battle by Penn State or Missouri? I mean, that's a legitimate concern right now if you're Zach Calzada or a fan of Zach Calzada. No, I think that there is definitely, there will be a conversation if Zach Calzada never touches the field this fall about does he stick it out for another year? Touch the field in a legitimate role. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he might take snaps against against Mercer. Right. He might take snaps against San Jose State. He might take snaps against Western Kentucky. I'm saying, in a big time SEC game, is that if Zach Calzada is not taking legitimate snaps in a competitive game, not like a blowout one mm-hmm. way or the other, then then I think I would expect there to be some sort of conversation about okay, well maybe. Maybe he needs another fresh start. Or does he stick it out? Does he believe in his his skill set to finally show through next spring? I don't know. But right now with this quarterback battle, it's it's puzzling with everything you've heard in the media that that it has not been settled. Because everything in the media sounds like TJ Finley. But the fact that it's not settled tells me that we aren't properly evaluating in the media windows or we aren't properly waiting the impact that Robbie Ashford's legs have on this offense and the impact that that dynamic nature can have on this 2022 Auburn season 
look, it's easy to, to, to see and to think, and we have examples of, of the media, ourselves included, jumping mm-hmm. the gun a little bit on quarterback battles and, and, and storylines when it comes to Auburn football. I mean, we've seen it way too many times, but we'll get back to that in just a second. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Lance, you're on line one. Welcome in. Hey, guys. I wanted to uh, ask you all a question, and it's kind of in relation to what Carter was just saying there about the quarterback battle. So, you know, we've been sitting here watching T.J. Finley kind of take the lead, at least in the media's uh, eye. And, you know, I think that it's kind of similar to the way that we all kind of collectively jumped on the Zach Calzada bandwagon. It's like, okay, well, it's going to be Calzada. And then we've kind of gotten to see, oh, okay, well, it's going to be T.J. Finley. And here we are now 10 days out from the beginning of the season, and we still don't have a starter. And so I wanted to ask you guys, because we don't have a starter, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Because in my perspective, from my perspective, and it's kind of what Carter was saying, what we've heard out of fall camp from the coaches, from the players, is that things are kind of leaning in T.J. Finley's direction. And it feels like, one way or another, he's going to get the nod at quarterback, but it's not been announced. So is it a cause for concern? Maybe like this, this room is, is still struggling or is it something where we can just kind of lean back and be like, okay, Auburn doesn't have to name a starting quarterback before week one. And honestly, the guy that starts for the first two games of the season, you know, may not be the guy that ends up finishing the game against Penn state. So is it a cause for concern that we don't have the quarterback yet? Or is it something where it's like, okay, let's wait until maybe these first two games are finished? Well, Lance, it's good to hear from you, my man. Look, I I think it is a concern because when you look at this quarterback battle right now, it's not a it's not a, a scenario where all three of these guys are capable of starting and you're just trying to figure out who the best one is. I think right now it's I don't know if any of these three guys are a legitimate starter who gives you a great chance to win and you're trying to figure out which one may give you the best chance to win. I think you're on the wrong end of this quarterback battle where you don't have confidence in any of them right now. You're 10 days away and you can't name a starter. That says to me that you're not confident in any of them to be a starter rather than on the other end where, wow, all three of these guys could start. Which one do we want to go with? For me personally, it's not a good look if you're 10 days away with Mercer on the horizon and you still don't have confidence to name a starting quarterback. And and I'll say this about Ashford, and I've been listening to y'all for a little bit talk about, you know, he's not out of this quarterback race, and I agree with Carter. I think this is a close competition right now. But here's my thing with Ashford. We talk a lot about his athleticism and his ability to run and the fact that he's a really mobile guy. Whenever you ask the coaches or the players to talk about him specifically as a passer, um, they've been relatively reluctant to give any sort of direct praise to his accuracy or his, uh, his touch. And so I, I definitely think that while Robbie Ashford could be the most dynamic playmaker, uh, and that's why he's still in this competition. Uh, I don't know if he's truly come along as a passer. Now, everybody likes to rave about his running ability, but we've not heard great things uh, about him as a passer, and I kind of agree with y'all. I'm, I don't want to be negative just to be negative, because obviously I want to see Auburn succeed, but it does not seem to me right now 
like Auburn has a lot of confidence in the players that they have in that room. Thing is, is like I said, they don't necessarily need to, but it's it's not a good look, at, at least from my perspective. Yeah, Lance, I think that with this quarterback race, you've heard about T.J. Finley's improvement, but it's it. I feel like you haven't heard any reports about like that jaw dropping moment, that that perfect throw, that that really impressive moment that T.J. Finley has had in fall camp. But then I feel like on the other side, it's been so quiet about Robbie Ashford. But when the players get on the mic, they talk about how much of a problem he is, how how difficult he is to corral. And I just think that he's he must be just chewing up ground, progressing every day in this offense. We haven't heard enough about the accuracy or anything, but Keysaw's quote about they finally have from from Friday, they finally have him playing the quarterback position, that really stuck with me. That really stuck with me because it's that tells me he's finally going through his progression. He's sitting in there, and if he's making that progress, I think he's a legitimate threat to win this job. I think at this point, you know, honestly, I think we should just run the triple option. Just put Ashford <laughs> back there and just run the option. I think that's probably Auburn's best path, best path to uh, success. But no, I, I agree. I'm optimistic about these two guys uh, for different reasons, but uh, I just – I don't know, man. I'm a little worried. Yeah, nobody knows. Hey, Lance, we appreciate the call, man. It's good to hear from you, buddy. That's Lance here on the uh, Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll address that and more when we come back. We'll also have question of the day. We're off and running here in hour number one on this Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Before we get to the question of the day, let's head back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. It's Terry on the line. Welcome in. Hey, Jacob, Carter, how y'all doing today? We're, we're doing great, doing man. Right, what you got Terry. for us? Hey, which one of you guys would have made the statement just a second ago about, you think, uh, is that you, Carter, made the statement that uh, Robbie Ashford could really be in this thing? I, yes, I, I, I'm starting to feel from just reading the uh, tea leaves that he's a legitimate threat for this quarterback job, and it's way closer than we've thought all along, and he is a real threat. When I don't think we've, we've unfairly, everybody hasn't really given him a chance to win this job. Yeah, let me, let me, let me back you. I'm all for that because this is the one guy who's, with his athleticism, if he can turn a, a positive – or he can make a positive happen. He can make things happen. And if the offense struggles under T.J. Finley, which I think it will, because I just don't think the guy can get any better. Um, just I just don't. I mean, he's just one of those guys that when there's cameras on, there's 90,000 people seeing, he just falls apart. Uh, and, and, you know, people are going to call him and say, well, you know, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, and give me, oh, that's fine. That's, all, that's okay. You know, the proof will be in, 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 in a couple of weeks. But I'm, I'm all about Robbie Ashford because I think he gives Auburn a chance. And he gives him a chance to win, and he can lead the offense on the field because he can make things happen, and he can extend plays, and that's what I'm for. Now, at the same time, you know, I've heard people say that's the kind of quarterback that Gus Malzahn needed. That may be what he needed, but that's not what he wanted. And then that's what worries me about Brian Harson a little bit that he's TJ Finley can get the guys lined up right, get them in the right play, but he can't make the play. Yeah, Terry, I think that you really need to start having a discussion, and you kind of hit on it. What are the ceilings with these guys? Mm-hmm. How close is TJ Finley to his ceiling? Because in my mind, Robbie Ashford's ceiling is sky high. And if he is showing steady, consistent 
progress, getting better every day. I think while TJ may be the better guy to start against Mercer for that game, for the season, if Robbie continues to make progress toward his ceiling, where is TJ's ceiling? How close is he to hitting that? Because I think Robbie Robbie's ceiling could take your season to a next level if he starts to reach that level. Now, see, I, I, uh, Jacob and Carter, I think if Robbie Ashford gets on the field, TJ will never get his job back. And, That's and, impressive. And, I think he'll be. Yeah, and Terry, that sort of brings up the conversation that uh, that Carter and I have been having is if you end up like let's say three games in, you end up going with Robbie Ashford against Penn State. Is it better to just start him game one against Mercer and let him get those two games of experience or let him be the backup in those two games and then make that decision for the Penn State game? I think that's a big debate that the coaches are probably having right now. Well, what, what do you guys think Brian Harsh has to do record-wise to, to keep his job? Because I, people said you know he needs to go at least 7-5, to five, and I, I think 7-5 to five is reasonably possible. Honestly. I do too. But, but I think I think the five losses are by twenty points. Be competitive losses. If you've got five losses by twenty points, you can't do anything with him. No, yeah. I agree. I think seven and five, and the losses can't be ugly. I mean, you can't. Georgia and Alabama can't beat you by forty plus, and uh, I mean, you can't. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, like those have to be competitive ones. If you lose them, I mean, I, yeah, they've got to be competitive. Seven and five, but eight and four would be really comfortable for me. I think the bar is even a game higher. I think he's got to get to eight. That that's. Just because I I I'm not sure how much how much support there is with the the external powers at Auburn, the uh, powers that be. <laughs> I'm not sure how much how many of those powers are in his corner, and I think he's got to get to eight personally. Now, I agree with you, Carter. Last thing, guys, if 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 TJ Finley's a quarterback, he's playing in some of those guys' hands that wanted him out of there, and that that's exactly what they want to see. Because it's just just going to look bad, and that that's that's what fears me the most. Yeah, Terry. Hey, we appreciate the call. That's Terry here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Look, we talked to Joey Blackwell on Monday from Bama Central, and we asked him, and we're going to ask Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven this exact question coming up in just a few minutes. But we asked Joey Blackwell. I said, "What's the perception of this quarterback battle in Auburn of the people in Tuscaloosa?" And he said, "Yeah, if you ask the people in Tuscaloosa, they want T.J. Finley to be the starter because the same way Auburn fans feel, they know what you're getting out of T.J. Finley, and the big question is." Has he gotten better, or has he sort of peaked? That's going to be the question for T.J. Finley. And if he has, I don't know how long he is the starter for Auburn because I agree with what you are saying, Carter, and, of course, what Terry has said as well. You think you would like to think that Robbie Ashford down the road brings more to the table for Auburn and has a brighter light and a higher ceiling than what T.J. Finley brings you at the start of the year? I don't know. But then the question becomes, if you're truly debating on whether it's going to be T.J. Finley or Robbie Ashford, if you want to play Ashford down the road, I think the way to go is to start him game one, if that's the game plan. But if you just plan on going with T.J. Finley, then throw him out there against Mercer. I think in matchups where you are athletically outmatched, which the Alabama game and the Georgia game will be those this year. A&M? I think... Unless you have Peyton Manning as a pocket passer back there, a, a the equalizer can be a dual-threat quarterback. And what type because of quarterback has beaten Nick Saban in Alabama over the, the years? The most is a dual-threat quarterback, and that's, and that's Robbie Astrid. I think he can be, in the games that, that you are outmatched physically, he can be somewhat of an equalizer. I'm not sure T.J. Finley can be that. 
Look at how this conversation has turned in the last two weeks. I mean, it is it turned in the last 72 hours. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's wide open right now. It truly is wide open. Two weeks ago, everybody was confident it was Zach Calzada. Fall camp gets underway. Turns out Zach Calzada may not be progressing like we think he is. Then it's TJ Finley because that's who the coaches praise. That's who they talk about. And now we're talking TJ Finley. But then two days later, now we're talking about the possibility of Robbie Ashford being the starting quarterback for Auburn in this 2022 season. It's wide open. That's what we have to remember. And you know what? I think Brian Harson and this coaching staff, they want this to happen. They want everybody to be confused and on their toes and just up in the air with big question marks because why would they want us to know? He's playing us a little bit. And you know what? I'm glad that he is. We're going to find out in 10 days who this starter is. Whether they name it or not before then, all we could do is wait and find out. But what it turns out to be is there is no starting quarterback for Auburn yet. Both guys... TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford are in this thing, could be the starter for game one. And you know what? By the time the Penn State game rolls around, you could cause you could see a completely different starter than you see in the Mercer game. This thing is wide open, folks. 30 minutes into hour number one, state two. We have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 when we come back. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, as always, on Wednesday afternoons, we have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jordan, we are 10 days away from the college football season for Georgia getting underway. How are you feeling, and how? what are the vibes right now in Athens as we're 10 days away from the season? Yeah, no doubt, Jacob. It is just sort of the countdown, you know. The countdown's on. I'm sure a lot of Georgia fans are a little excited that there's a little football before Georgia and Oregon. You know, we'll have a few games this weekend, but... Uh, you know, none as big as that first one in Atlanta. It's uh, it's going to be a very exciting uh, situation for Georgia and, and very intrigued just to see what this game winds up looking like against the number 11 team in the nation. Well, Jordan, as we are 10 days away from the season, what are some of your takeaways from fall practice uh, as it's been going through this month of August? You know, I think the biggest thing that really stands out to me is the fact that one of the position groups that I think Georgia really needed players to step up was inside linebacker. And just based on everything we've heard and the few uh, opportunities we've gotten to watch, I feel like they should feel pretty good about the inside linebacker situation. You know, Jamon Dumas Johnson was a guy we've heard about going back to the spring. And he has been what Kirby Smart said is probably the most consistent player in that group. But they've had other guys stand up, you know, and really stand out. The junior that has battled injuries in the past, had a little bit of an injury issue back in the spring. He's done a very good job. Smile Munden is a guy that is a young guy at inside linebacker, but Kirby Smart has described him as one of the most athletic guys he's ever seen at the position. Uh, He's made strides. He's a guy that I think they're really excited about. Um, That's really one of the big areas I feel like have really, has really stood out to me. You know, they've done a good job as well with, uh, really showcasing some of the playmakers on this offense. You know, Kenny McIntosh at running back, the entire tight end room. I could pretty much name every single one of them. Receivers like Adonai Mitchell, who we had a chance to talk to last night. And 
and guys around him like a Lad McConkey or a Kyrus Jackson. So, you know, I think if you're a Georgia fan, I think you should be uh, excited for what they have on this team. Obviously, uh, going to be a long season, going to be tested right out of the gate, but uh, I think you should be feeling pretty good about where this team stands getting ready for September. Jordan Carter here. Uh, coming off 2021 where you win a national championship and you have – what I personally believe is right there for the greatest defense of all time in college football. What are reasonable expectations for this 2022 Georgia defense? How do you fill all the holes of all these guys going to the NFL? I think uh, the situation, you know, they're they're not going to be able to replicate what they did last year because, frankly, that was you know one of the best defenses uh, at least of the modern era, and you could make you know arguments past that. But they've got talent. You know, they've done a very good job. Since uh, the entire time Kirby Smart has been there, as far as recruiting, making sure they had talent, and specifically on defense with Kirby being such a defensive-minded coach. My thing as far as what I would tell fans and and what to expect, I think this defense will be really good. I think by the end of the year it will be among the best in the SEC once again. But there's going to be natural growing things. You know, even guys like I just mentioned, like a Jamon Dumas Johnson, shown a lot and and has looked really good, but he's going to be playing – much, much more than he did in 2021. And that's the case uh, in many spots on this defense. They're replacing eight starters from last year. They need guys uh, to step up. And I think guys are very much capable, but there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be issues and, you know, missteps and, and misreads. And that's something that Kirby Smart has talked about. He said, you know, uh, that that's going to happen. And, and sometimes it'll happen. And maybe, uh, you know, onlookers will say, well, that guy wasn't ready or that guy should be playing. And, you know, that's just not always the case. You know, these guys are, are going to learn just like anyone else doing a new job. You know, there's going to be things you get wrong and things you learn by doing wrong. Uh, I think this defense is still going to be very good, uh, but I think we'll see a few hiccups along the way with some of these guys uh, really getting used to uh, being called on more and being expected to do more than they did in the past. We're speaking with Jordan Hill of Docs 247 here on On the Line. Jordan, we saw an injury in the running back room for Georgia this week where Andrew Paul tore his ACL. How does that impact this Georgia running game coming up for this 2022 season? You know, it's a situation where obviously you want all the backs you can have. And Andrew Paul had put together a really good fall camp. I think it's fair to say he was sort of outperforming the other freshman running back, Branson Robinson, a guy that you know, had a little bit more clout as far as being a recruit and, and was a little bit more talked about when he first got to Athens. It's a significant blow, but, all you know, Georgia has a situation where they have other running backs who even had Andrew Paul still been healthy, you know, he, he would have played uh, behind those guys. And uh, it's a situation where they just need, uh, you know, it's really more of a loss as far as depth because Kenny McIntosh is clearly the number one running back. Really the wild card and, to me, the most important running back in the aftermath of losing Andrew Paul is Kendall Milton, who's a junior who has shown flashes and back in the day was a really highly regarded recruit but has struggled with his health, uh, had a knee issue the last two years. And right now uh, he missed the, the previous two scrimmages, previous two fall scrimmages for Georgia uh, with, a, uh, with an injury to his knee that is not considered severe um, but obviously is going to be something to watch. Um, so it's a, it's a blow in terms of depth. You know, they're going to really need to rely on, on guys like Dejon Edwards, who's a guy that uh, really didn't play a ton last year other than in blowout situations, kind of doing mop-up duty. 
Um, Georgia likes to run a lot of different running backs and especially take advantage of keeping people fresh uh, when they're in games that are out of, uh, you know, out of doubt and Georgia has put away. Um, so it's a loss because I think Andrew Paul was uh, putting together a really good fall camp, uh, and it's a loss as far as depth. But uh, I think they should still be okay. They just really can't afford uh, to lose any, anybody else. And a uh, tough task and, and tough ask uh, as you get ready to start a year. Jordan, just 10 days from the start of the season. Obviously, Georgia returns Stetson Bennett at quarterback and a crazy talented tight ends room and with with Brock Bowers and Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington. And then you have talent everywhere else on the offense. How much more explosive does this 2022 Georgia offense need to be, especially when you have Maybe maybe it's it's unfair to expect this defense to shut everyone down like they did in 2021. Yeah, you know, I think it's a fair look at the situation because, again, I think especially early in this year, you know, in this opener against Oregon, this defense is going to be kind of filling itself out, you know, figuring out uh, how things are working. And, again, you know, you may go into a season where we get a few games in and there may be a few starters moved around. I mean, that's just natural and, and that's just sort of, what happens when you have a lot of turnover on one side of the ball? Uh, so, you know, I think that there is a fair uh, assessment when you look at this team to say that the offense got to do a little bit more. And I think the good news is that they have the capability of doing it. I mean, Stetson, having an entire offseason as quarterback one, this is a guy that in fall camp uh, last year, he was getting uh, QB3 reps uh, at one point. So having an entire offseason with him as the guy, knowing he is going to be the one pulling the trigger, and the guy that is going to be expected uh, to know, you know, every situation and know how to work with these guys, I think it's huge. Um, I think it's a situation uh, where they should be sitting pretty as far as the talent they've got. Obviously, tied in. I mean, it, it's just incredibly deep. They've got receivers three that I think really stand out, and Adonai Mitchell, Garris Jackson, Lab McConkey, and a good mix behind them that I think can step up. It's just a, a matter of who kind of separates themselves from the pack. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say this offense is going to be asked to do a little bit more and, and be asked to kind of carry that weight early on, uh, given where this defense is and, and trying to find itself. Uh, but I think in time this defense will, will show that uh, it's very much capable of standing up to the task. We're speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 on the phone here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jordan, throughout this fall camp and fall practice with uh, just about a week and a half away from the start of the season, which side of the football has been winning in practice? Has it been the offense or the defense and why? You know, I think it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. The first scrimmage was definitely the offense. I think the second scrimmage, the defense kind of found its way, which I think uh, you know, Kirby Smart and the coaching staff were looking for. I still think overall probably the offense. I think it's been a situation where, you know, there's a lot more kind of proven guys on that side of the ball. You know, Stetson Bennett, Adonai Mitchell, even some of those offensive linemen up front. Uh, a lot of, a lot more question marks on the defensive side. You know, I think they're still kind of getting a feel for who's going to be on the starting defensive line. We talked about the inside linebackers. And, and, you know, there, there's established guys like Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo on this defense. Um, but I think they've been really working to kind of find who are those guys they can count on. And based on what Kirby Smart said after that second scrimmage, you know, he really liked some of the things he saw, which, you know, I think is a reason to be excited if you're a Georgia fan. Uh, but, yeah, I think on the whole, the offense has kind of gotten the better of the defense. But, again, not necessarily surprising just given the experience coming back on that side of the ball. 
Jordan, coming off a national championship last year and losing so much talent to the NFL draft, what what are the expectations around the Georgia fan base? Is it is it okay for them to not have the same level of success as last year, or is it, okay, you did it once, now do it again? I think the expectations are still sky high, and I think even before they won that national title, that's just what the situation was. I mean, you know, Georgia has expected to contend for championships, and, you know, they've been on the cusp over and over again and finally broke through in January. You know, I think what is considered realistic is a double-digit win season again, and uh, to have a legitimate chance of winning the East, I think that's very much fair, not only because of the talent they got, but the schedule really sets up well for Georgia. So I think, obviously, you know, diehard fans, they want to win them all, and they know that Georgia has still got a ton of talent on the team. Uh, I think what is very realistic is for them to at least be in playoff contention, and, uh, you know, I think it, it should be assumed uh, that they're the favorite in the East and maybe have a chance to play Alabama uh, in Atlanta for a spot in the playoff. We have Jordan Hill here on the line. Jordan, it is week zero of college football. We get to watch some games this Saturday. Are there a couple of games that you're going to have on the TV as week zero is upon us? Yeah, I'm going to have all of them. You know, I always enjoy uh, going through uh, each week, and especially a week where I'm not having to work. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> by Hawaii and uh, Hawaii and Vanderbilt. I'm trying to think of some of the other games that are on, but no doubt I'll have them on. I'll be working ahead a little bit, getting ready for what will be a busy week one, but I'm just excited. I love this time of year. It's so much fun. And, uh, and again, like I said, a Saturday that I'm not working, I'm going to really enjoy because that'll be the most college football I'll get to watch in a single day uh, for the entire fall. Jordan, I'm so glad you said Vanderbilt and Hawaii because Carter and I have been going back and forth about this. I'm excited about the game. Carter is not, but I'm so excited for it. I'm glad you brought up Vanderbilt and Hawaii, my man. You'll be watching it. I know you will. I just don't know why uh, I don't know why people are so excited to watch one of the worst two or three Power Five teams play one of the worst two or three teams in college football. SEC football. <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not proud of myself. That's, what I'll tell you. that's, just, that's just how it is. Well, look, man, it's football in my eyes. I'll watch it. I don't care who it is. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on On the Line. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing, man. Yeah, absolutely. On Twitter, at Jordan Davis Hill or at Dogs 247. And go check out our website, Dogs 247. Uh, plenty of content. Like you said, the uh, season's almost here, and we're getting ready for it. Excited for it to get here and uh, to be back in Mercedes-Benz to see this uh, game between the Ducks and the Dogs. Well, Jordan, do your research because next week we're going to pick your brand about the matchup, one of the biggest games of the week and of the year maybe, Georgia and Oregon over in Atlanta. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, sounds great. Thanks, guys. That was Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Look, best thing he said was he's going to be watching Vanderbilt in, in uh, Hawaii on Saturday night. No, I'm just kidding. He Jordan Hill, he gives great information. He knows his stuff. He's always great to have on the show. Yeah. Talking everything going on Georgia. Sounds like the offense is going to be better than the defense as of right now. But like he said, that's almost expected with how much their defense lost to the NFL draft. Exactly. I mean, that defense was... In my mind, it's the best defense. I mean, it's easily the best defense since I've been alive. It's one. Of, it's up there for it's, sure. It's one of the best defenses of all time. They lose a lot, but that's the thing with Georgia. With Georgia and Alabama, they just reload. There's so much high-end talent that that I I there will be a drop-off. It's it's unrealistic to expect there not to be some sort of drop-off, especially on defense. But I expect them to still be one of the five best teams in the country. 
and it's it's what is the ceiling on offense with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, and who is going to be the breakout step-up player for that offense in this 2022 season? I think it comes down on the offensive side for Georgia. Can Stetson Bennett be that man? We saw him win the national championship, but can he do it from week one to week, what, 13, 14, however many games they end up playing. Can he do it from start to finish? That's going to be the biggest question about Stetson Bennett. He's won it before, but can he do it from start to finish? That's what we're going to find out in this Georgia season. He certainly feels like, you know, the the early Saban Alabama years, mm-hmm. he feels like one of those early Saban Alabama quarterbacks. Somebody who you're not asking to go out there and be really dynamic and throw it all over the yard he's not Bryce Young doesn't have to win the Heisman he's not Tua he's not Mac Jones he's he's not he's not even Jalen Hurts I mean he's a little more of that that Greg McElroy Aaron Aaron Murray he's a little bit of that game manager archetype of a quarterback yeah could be well look we're gonna find out what Georgia does they have one of the biggest games of week one coming up next week we'll talk to Jordan Hill next Wednesday about that matchup we'll ask him his perspective on Oregon and what to expect from one of the biggest games of the season to start week one let's take our final break an hour number one when we come back we're gonna talk some Atlanta Braves as they dominated yet again today against the Pittsburgh Pirates all that and more coming up when we come back On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 who just joined us on the phone uh, telling us everything we need to know about Georgia, what's going on over in Athens as they are uh, wrapping up fall practice. They'll be starting to prepare for a game next week. They have one of the biggest games in the country going on next week as they play Oregon over at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's a neutral site, but it's basically going to be a home game, right? And they get to see a a very familiar face, Bo Nix. The one and only Bo Nix. He will play Georgia for the fourth time in his career. Uh, So not sure if he planned on that, but here we are. But Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, he always, uh, he's a great interview man. He gives great info and we always enjoy talking to him. We'll talk to him again next week about Oregon and Georgia and see how he is feeling uh, going into one of the biggest matchups of the year. But... With a couple of minutes to go here as we wrap up this first hour, let's talk some Atlanta Braves. We like to do that at the end of the first hour. And they played early today. You didn't even know they had started because they played so early. I think they started at like 11, 11.30, and it just went final a couple of minutes ago. They beat the Pirates again, 14-2 to this time. They, uh, they, uh, they jumped out early, and they didn't look back. I mean, they just put it on the Pirates, and they played so well, the Braves did. They were making Mets fans mad on social media because the Pirates weren't trying hard enough. Well, the Pirates are just bad. Let's <laughs> let's let's yeah. be real there. I mean, they're they're legitimately one of the uh, perennial bottom five teams in Major League Baseball. You can and say bottom five franchises in Major League Baseball. Yes, yeah, and so you like, yeah, the Braves are playing really good ball. What do you expect? I mean. Although it Mets is, fans were mad, like they is, were calling out the Pirates for not trying hard enough. It is interesting when you when you put up a fourteen spot and you only score in three innings because you're putting up some crooked numbers, which is what you like to see. Every Braves starter, I believe, besides Von Grissom, which how many times have we said that Von Grissom did not get a hit? Everybody else had a had a hit in the game that started, and you know, I mean, 
Runs, runs, and more runs, and they continue to eat up ground on the Mets. One and a half games back now. One and a half. Because the only time in my life I will ever say, <laughs> let's go Yankees. They got right for the two-game stretch against yep. the Mets and swept that. And, I mean, the Braves need to take advantage of this little lull in the schedule because the Mets lull is coming up, and you talked about that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, the Mets are off today. They're about to have a um, a pretty easy stretch in, in in regards to competition for the New York Mets. So they're going to start winning some games, but the Braves can do the same thing. They're not playing anybody super, super tough coming up in these next couple of weeks. So the Braves are in a good spot. This is the closest it's been in a while in the standings. The Braves are in the playoffs, but... You're trying to win your division and get one of those top seeds to where you don't have to worry about messing with the wild card and all of that stuff. Tomorrow on the show, just a little bit of an update, Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects, he'll be joining us in the first hour. Uh, I believe at 2.30 he'll be coming in and talking Atlanta Braves, talking MLB, all that good stuff. So he'll be in tomorrow. We'll be talking about the Braves with him. But yeah, Braves win again today. The Mets lose two straight to the Yankees. And so with the Braves, you make up double ground when you do that. You're a game and a half back of the Mets of course the Mets are off today uh, but overall if you're the Braves like we've been talking about take advantage of playing weaker opponents and when the Mets lose you got to double down and take advantage of it they're within a game and a half my friend I mean when you continue to get really really good pitching it's always great to rack up these wins and eat up that ground that was it felt like a un, insurmountable gap to the Mets of just a couple weeks ago. Just a couple of weeks ago. It's the end of August. We'll see how it goes. Hour number one officially in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two is coming up. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this gloomy, possibly rainy Wednesday afternoon. It looks like it could rain. I haven't checked the radar, so I'm not too sure, but... Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you in the studio. McKenzie over running the boards and answering the phones. We have had a fantastic show so far. If you missed any of our number one, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can just uh, you can search on the line. It'll be commercial free wherever you get your podcast. You can find it right after the show. So make sure you go and do that. We talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven back in the first hour. Uh, letting us know everything going on in Athens, what the notes are from fall practice from the dogs, uh, talked about the offense comparing to the defense, comparing to last year, what to expect differently this year as they get ready to play Oregon next week in Atlanta. So all of that and more in the first hour. If you missed it, go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcasts. 
Phone lines are open here in all of hour number two, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. Anything you have to say about this quarterback battle, don't you worry. We're going to talk a whole lot more about it in this second hour. But what are your thoughts on this? As there was no starter named yesterday, we thought there was going to be, but there is not. So how are you feeling right now about this quarterback battle? That or anything else you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. 334 321-1390. Carter, you know what I watched on Netflix last night that was actually really, really good? The new Manti Teo documentary. Have you seen, seen it, yet? it yet? I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's it's fascinating. It is, and it's, it is fascinating. It is an understatement. Mackenzie, have you seen it yet? Have you watched it? You have? Yeah, it's super, super good. It, I have not it's, watched it yet. So, obviously, we remember when that all went down, and it took not just the sports world by storm, but it took the news in the world by storm when Manti Teo and Notre Dame, they were getting ready for the national championship game against Alabama. He was getting ready for the Heisman Trophy, and the news came out that basically he got catfished and his dead girlfriend didn't even exist and Mm -hmm. everybody jumped on him everybody was like what in the world is this guy thinking like how could you fall for that but man when you watch the documentary it opens up so much and there's so much more than him just talking texting back and forth with one person bro you've got to watch it if you haven't seen it yet if you're out there listening and you haven't watched it yet uh i think it's called the girlfriend that didn't exist i think it's the name of it it's on netflix it's one of the top tens in the country right now the manti teo documentary it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it is just mind-boggling. It's like two episodes. They're like an hour long. I highly recommend that you watch it, man. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, no, I'll have to look into it. I mean, I've I've heard so much about it. I just it hasn't it hasn't quite pushed itself to the front of my. Uh, I know what you're doing tonight. Show show cue. What am I doing tonight? You're watching the Manti Teo documentary. <laughs> The yeah. Braves don't play tonight. They already won today. You're there's right. no, I mean, there's nothing else on TV right now, so you may as well watch it. You can knock it out in two hours, man. It's like watching a movie. I recommend it, though. <laughs> if you, you haven't watched it, but if anybody out there has not watched it, I recommend it. It was really, really good, but that's the know. new. I feel like I have to catch up on Hard Knocks first. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, I, I love me some uh, Dan Campbell and this, this, this Lions season. I think it's. I, I think saw it's a video of that where the coaches, the coaches got roasted today or on one of the previous episodes. I don't watch it a whole lot, but uh, it's got to be interesting with the Lions because, look, they truly feel that they can win the Super Bowl. Don't know how they got that mentality, but. Apparently they believe it. Hey, I sneaky think the Lions are going to be oh, decent no. this year. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. Get that out of here. <laughs> no, get that out of here. We do not take Detroit Lions praise on this show. That does not happen. You can't, you can't, you can't convince me. I'm a Packers fan. I don't know if you knew that yet, Carter. I'm a Packers fan big time. So... <laughs> And no, the Lions, I'm aware. I think yeah. the Packers are still the best team in that division, but I think the, the Lions are going to be significantly better. Oh my goodness! Nope, nope, won't believe it. <laughs> well, I just wanted to, hot to start now, yeah, hot dude. start in hour number two here on the uh, Wednesday edition of On the Line. Look, if you haven't seen the Manti Teo thing, you need to watch it. It's super, super cool. But let's talk about some making headlines here on Wednesday, August twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two. Uh, again, the biggest headline coming in is we expected yesterday to be the day we learned who QB one is for Auburn, and yet here we are, and we're talking about another guy that could be the starter. We've gone from. Zach Calzada to TJ Finley to now today the conversation's been could it be Robbie Ashford I it's it's to me I don't think there's any other explanation because if with everything you've heard 
it should have been announced at this point. It should be TJ Finley. To me, this is starting to feel like Robbie Ashford's continuing to close that gap. And maybe you, you after Saturday, you kind of set the timeline for yesterday. Well, you've, you've pushed it a week. I, I, I now think it's going to happen on Monday. You, you push it a little longer. And, and are you giving Robbie a window to close the gap a little more to the point that you're confident enough to turn the reins over to Robbie Ashford? We thought yesterday was going to be the day with Brian Harson. They had practice yesterday afternoon. Brian Harson had a press conference set up. Didn't really turn out to be a major press conference. It was more of a uh, captain announcement and let the captains of the team for Auburn speak, which, by the way, the three captains of the 2022 season, John Samuel Shanker, Owen Papo, and Derek Hall, I think those are fantastic nominations. I think those guys have shown that they're leaders on both sides of the ball. And uh, Owen Papo is the fourth two-time captain in Auburn history. And he talked about that yesterday and how special it is for him to come back to Auburn and be that second-time captain. It just shows the leadership he has on that team and on that defense yeah I mean he's the he's the second two-time captain in over 50 years I mean Reese DeSmukes and and him is the only is that's the list from like 1970 to now I mean yeah it's it's clear that he is the, the way that his teammates talk about him you saw Eculiota say today that Owen Papos maybe the smartest player he's ever played with mm-hmm. it's clear the way that they talk about him the way that I mean, he's called the freak for a reason. He's freaky athletic, and he's really smart. It's just it's just about staying healthy. If he stays healthy, you're talking about a very high-round draft pick caliber linebacker and, and, and a guy who maybe didn't get the respect he probably deserves in the all-SEC coaches picks that just came out, but maybe by the end of the year, we could be talking about first or second team all-SEC Owen Papo. I think you can say the same thing about Derek Hall. Now, of course, the big question well, is staying he's, healthy. He's getting, he's getting the buzz. Right. I mean, he's Some mock drafts have him going in the first round. Some, yeah. some have Colby Wood. Got to stay healthy, round. though, man. Got to stay healthy. Yeah, and then, of course, you have John S- Samuel Schinker, who I think I was, is, I was a little shocked by that. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I don't think I was. I don't think I was. I'm not I mean, saying he, was, he didn't deserve it, but you just don't hear of a tight end a lot of times being named a captain of the football team. Well, I think it's it's – in the the chaos of the offseason that was he was one of the more outspoken guys and i think he's somebody that in that locker room was one of the 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 um i guess guys to rally around and and he's been there he's been with the program so long i mean he's going to break he's going to smash every if he repeats last year he's going to smash every career tight end receiving record that auburn has which isn't much <laughs> this is true. This is true. I mean, we we sat around for years begging Gus Malzahn to use the tight ends, and then one year in Brian Harson and or one year with Brian Harson and John Samuel Schinker had what a top two tight end season in Auburn history, maybe maybe the best. I mean, I only expect him to get better. Um, a oh, guy, a yeah. guy who's who's also, I mean multi-sport athlete out there too right and he represented Auburn at SEC media days he was mm-hmm. one of the three players to go and I spoke to him had a one-on-one with him he had great things to say he was a just a stand-up guy seemed like he a uh, good head on his shoulder so congratulations to the the captains Owen Papo Derek Hall and John Samuel Shanker being named but to go back to what we were talking about that's what happened yesterday in the press conference was those guys had a chance to speak which is good I'm glad we got to hear that but 
Let's just be honest, that's not what everybody was wanting to hear and expecting to hear. They were waiting to hear Brian Harson come up and say the starting quarterback for Auburn 2022 is, and that didn't happen. So now, here we are, and we talked about yesterday, if it didn't happen yesterday, is it time to be concerned? We're 10 days away from the season. We don't know who the starter's going to be. It's time to be concerned if you're Auburn. Isn't it interesting? Like, this is twice now where where media availability has either been canceled or shifted because because Brian Harson did did step up to the podium but he didn't take questions which which was not what was expected going into last night but yes I think it's it's if you're if you were banking on TJ Finley being the guy I would start to get worried now is it is it that nobody has truly stepped up and they just don't want to turn the reins over to TJ or the ray of hope side is Robbie Ashford is really closing ground. And if he's really closing ground, I which I think he is, I think they're starting to to continue to keep that window cracked to see if he seizes that opportunity to take this job. The problem for me in this situation is we're 10 days away from the season. You can only push this thing back so many more days. And the window of naming your starting quarterback early to get them as many reps as possible at QB1 and get the rest of the team the most reps possible with the starter, that's out the window. That's gone. I mean, we we missed that by a whole week. So that entire mentality, you can throw it out the window. And so now it's now it's time to buckle down and just figure out who in the world is going to be starting for Auburn in week one and that's what the problem is is right now you don't know and we don't know and you know what you know who else doesn't know the coaches they have no idea they may but at this point why would you not name the starter if you were confident in him and so with no starter being named we're 10 days away you don't have your starter that you know what that tells me they're not confident and they don't know who the starter is going to be and we're 10 days away yeah, I I think it's it's interesting that this is the one spot that has not gotten any clearer or really it hasn't been settled. You've started to to get a picture, a feel for what the receivers are going to look like, which who's going to be the first group out there, who's going to be the second group out there, even who's going to be the third group out there. I think all three of those you're you're going to see eight, nine guys in any given game take snaps at at out wide I mean and then on the offensive line it's starting to starting to take shape it's going to be Tate Johnson at center it's going to be Killian Zire at left tackle it's me Austin Troxel at right tackle your tackles by all indications are having a great a great 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 fall camp which is good to hear Keandre Jones who for the past two years has probably been your best offensive lineman he's back at right guard and then it's starting to sound like the only spot that there's a any any doubt over is it's Brandon Council Camp Stutz at left guard. Right now, I think it's Brandon Council because I think he's got that that experience and versatility factor, can play anywhere, can literally play all five spots on the offensive line, has in his career. So everything else is starting to shake out. The only the only thing up in the air really at this point is the quarterback position and you're a week and a half away from the season, that's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to start seeing this Mm -hmm. all come together. You should know who your starters are by this point, and that's what's supposed to happen is positions start getting taken up, and guys, they take that next step, and they improve to that next level, and they come out and say, 
This is my position. I'm the man. This is what needs to happen. Like you said, we're seeing that across the board at other positions, except probably the most important one, the quarterback position. And so is it time to worry for Auburn fans and Auburn football? Absolutely. It is time to worry. And, you know, we, we talked to uh, to a caller. It was Lance who called in in the first hour, and he asked us, he said, is it concerning that there's no starter named for Auburn? I am concerned because what that tells me is nobody in this quarterback room is ready to start SEC football. I think you're you're taking a very much – uh, glass half empty look at this at, at the recent developments in this quarterback room I'm choosing to look at it a little more glass half full you're choosing you're, you're looking at it as they aren't confident in anybody and I'm looking at it as I think you're you're finally starting to see the potential emergence of Robbie Ashford as the quarterback in 2022 I think I think the events the 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 shifting of the timeline to me points to a, some sort of flip has started to switch for Robbie Ashford, and that gap is closing quickly, and they're just giving him enough time to get close enough to hand him the job. But in my opinion, if that is the case, and I'm not saying you're wrong because we don't know, but in my opinion, if that is the situation that's going on where the coaching staff has, has sort of flipped their mentality where it's like, oh, maybe Robbie Ashford could be the starter here, why not take the chance? Why not name him the starter? The longer you wait, the less confidence you show in your quarterbacks, the less confidence your team has in the quarterbacks, and at this point, the less confidence the fans are going to have in this quarterback and have confidence in the coaching staff. I get you want to make sure, but this is something that should have been figured out already. You're 10 okay. days away. You're a week and a half out from the season. In four days, you flip the you flip the calendar. It's officially game week in four mm-hmm. days from now, so... I mean, that's how I view it is at this point, even if they are thinking about Robbie Ashford being the starter, they're obviously not confident in him enough yet to name him the starter. And how much of that is going to change in a three or four day time span? My counter would be maybe the coaches are starting to see that Robbie is the guy because they're the ones that are going back and they're grading the quarterbacks and they're watching the film. And maybe by leaving it up in the air for a few more days, you're allowing Robbie the opportunity to truly prove it to the rest of his team. Because if he's going to be the guy, you're like you need your quarterback, you need everybody on that team to be bought in and know, hey, this is the guy we are rolling to war with. For sure. And, and maybe you are leaving the door open for, for just to have allow him to cement the fact that this is – Robbie Ashford's team and I and I want that to happen if that's again if this is what we're talking about if what we're talking about is what's happening I want that to happen but I just don't know how that's going to happen in the next three or four days and if that's what they want to happen and they feel it's necessary to happen then name him the starter and give him those first two weeks to do that because I think in that time span that's where you could see that happen but the next three or four days to name a starter I don't know if you can see that growth they might he may be that close to make that happen but I just don't know if the next three to four days is going to be where that is if you want Robbie Ashford to be the starter and you truly feel that in the next few weeks he could be your starter I say you name him quarterback one right now today and let him start against Mercer. Let him start against San Jose State to get comfortable before Penn State comes to town. We're going to talk some more about this when we come back. Let's take our first break in hour number two. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of On the Line when we come back. 
are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390. What's your take? How you feeling about this quarterback battle? Who do you want it to be? Who do you think it'll be? Are you worried that we're 10 days away and don't have a starting quarterback for Auburn? We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We didn't really get to this question in the first hour, but we've sort of talked about it all day long. Are the coaches confident in any of these quarterbacks right now to be the starter for Auburn? Yeah, um, right now you can't say that uh, because it hasn't been named. If they were truly confident in one of these guys, you would have a starter. I, I'm my gut has my perspective and my gut feeling has started to shift that they are keeping this door cracked just enough to allow over the last week here to allow Robbie Ashford to kick it in and take this job. That's that's what I'm starting to feel in my gut. I could be wrong, but if I mean if that's if that's not what what is happening, then it's uh I'm my, my hand's going to be hovering over the uh panic button with the fact that you haven't named TJ Finley the starter. Exactly. Something has to be happening because if you were confident in TJ Finley, you would have named him the starter last night, right? If you were confident and you wanted him to be your starting quarterback, you would have said it last night if you're Brian Harson. because if you're still looking for that one or two things from TJ Finley 10 days away, you're probably not going to find it, which means TJ Finley has probably hit his ceiling if you're still looking for it with a week and a half to go. So if you were confident in him to be your starter, you would have named him the starter last night like we expected to happen. So you're exactly right. Something is going on behind the scenes where Robbie Ashford is still in this battle. Zach Calzada, we don't think he is, but he could be at this point. We don't truly know. So something is happening. But to answer the question, no. The, the, the coaches are not confident in any of these guys to be the starter right now because we're a week and a half away and we still don't have a starter. So that tells me... They're not confident in them, and there's a possibility that none of them are good enough right now to be the starter for Auburn. I think you hit on something important, talking about TJ and his ceiling. Is is Robbie raising his level every day and really starting to push him, and they're they're either waiting for Robbie to, to keep climbing and take the job or waiting for TJ to, to find a, another level through his game? And, and does he have it? We don't know. We don't know. We, we, we haven't seen it on the field yet. Right. And when you're talking between TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford, who's going to be the guy to take the next step? Betting odds would say Robbie Ashford, right? Because I, I just don't know how much more you're going to get out of TJ Finley based off of what we saw last year and what we're seeing in, in spring ball and fall ball this year. We know he's taken a next step and he is better than he was last year. But at this point in fall practice, is he going to take that next step? Or are there better odds that Robbie Ashford, who's a freshman, to take that next step? You got to go with Robbie Ashford, right? Yeah, I w- I'm starting to lean that way. I think that. The, the ceiling of TJ Finley, just with what his skill set is, is you have a chance to beat everybody on the relatively same talent level as you, and you should beat everybody that has less talent than you. But I have a hard time seeing a guy with the skill set of TJ Finley going out and pulling off 
upsets against teams like Georgia, teams like Alabama. Granted, last year you had a Herculean effort by that Auburn defense, and yep. I and that cannot be understated enough. I think last year's Iron Bowl was a heck of a lot more about that Auburn defense and the 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 pressure they were able to put the Alabama offensive line under and Bryce Young under than it is about how T.J. Finley commanded that offense and helped lead Auburn to to a quadruple overtime game that ended up not going their way. We've got a couple of more minutes as we are about four minutes against a break. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Steal a mic. You're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Uh, sounds like uh, sounds like we're waiting on a, the fireworks to go off or something, man. The excitement here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're waiting on a little show. Yeah, well, I, I'm on the situation. Number one, it's Mercer. I still go back. we got two games. Granted, it'd be nice to have the starter announced by now, but I can kind of get it too. Uh, if you got a couple guys that are closing the gap, uh, and one of them is, is uh, also very athletic and has the capability that the others don't, uh, I can see why he might be waiting just a little bit longer. If that's the case, kind of fall in line with with your with the guy there with you um, that. They're maybe giving him just giving it a couple more days <clears throat> to let it pan out. Um, the problem that Robbie's had, from my understanding, uh, has been you know there were some early turnover issues with him, but I think he has uh, improved that in the last few days or week or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I just think it's just giving those guys an, a real opportunity. And I still go back on the fact that Calzada is basically. Uh, finally, and maybe he's finally 100% mentally, physically, and quite frankly, emotionally, if you will, because quarterback plays a lot. Of, a lot of it's inside the helmet, and uh, and you know we all have kind of the same feeling. It sounds like you know that TJ's kind of where he, TJ's TJ, and I think he's improved. I yeah. feel like he's improved. Yeah. I just I'm, I'm, I think it, I think there's something to this, and I believe it. It could be Robbie because he he comes with that uh, added ability to to really take the ball and and run with it if he can't if nothing's there. Yeah, you know I hey, Steeler Mike I I appreciate your uh, your your call Jacob and I both both appreciate it and and I tend to to agree with you that the ceiling is higher with with Robbie Ashford and I'm just not sure I'm not and I think you do need to name a starter. One way or another, a little bit, because you almost have to, with regardless of who it is, because you need to build confidence in these first two games, especially if it's Robbie Ashford. Mm -hmm. I think Robbie Ashford needs to be the guy right off the bat if he's if you if you're gonna start him. I don't I don't want to have TJ and Robbie Ashford go into the first game as co-starters. If Robbie Ashford's gonna end up being the guy, I would like to give him a nice runway to build some confidence before you get into the grueling part of the schedule, starting with that Penn State game. I 100% agree. And again, Steel and White, we appreciate the call. We are up against a break. We're going in about 30 seconds. But um, look, I mean, I agree. With the with a freshman quarterback, the last thing you want to do is get two games into the season and then let him start his very first game against Penn State. You have Here's the thing about the schedule and how it stacks up. 
yes, you have the luxury of two games against Mercer and San Jose State that you should win, you will win, and you can play around a little bit with your quarterback battle. But just because you have that luxury doesn't mean you should take advantage of it and abuse it. Use it if you have to, but if you don't have to play around and mess around and move a bunch of puzzle pieces, don't do it. If you can just put the thing together and get this thing rolling, why wouldn't you do it? And so if it is going to be Robbie Ashford for the Penn State game, why not start him for week one? We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We're going to keep talking the quarterbacks when we come back. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on this Wednesday afternoon on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Phone lines continue to be open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. What's your thoughts on all of this? We've heard that we had some great calls today, and we know you have something to say as well. 334-321-1390. Carter, it seems like we are sort of on the same page where there's something fishy going on with this quarterback battle. They haven't named a starter because they're probably not confident in whoever they want to choose, and maybe there's a window opening up for somebody other than T.J. Finley to be the starter. But here's what I want to ask you, and I think this could get interesting. Oh, gosh. With the quarterback battle happening right now on the planes, right, between TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, and Zach Calzada, this is a would you rather question for you, my friend. <laughs> and for anybody that wants to chime in, 334 321 1390, would you prefer in this year, 2022, with this upcoming season, everything that's at stake, everything going on surrounding this season, would you rather have this quarterback battle trying to figure out who your next quarterback is going to be? Or would you rather have Bo Nix for one more year? The answer, the answer if you're the coaching staff too, when when you're in this pivotal year, if it's Bo Nix for one year or this quarterback battle and help set you up for the future, the answer, no matter what, is always Bo Nix. Bo Nix is, is has proven he's a better quarterback than these four guys. Last year, if Bo Nix finishes out the year and is healthy, you win at South Carolina, you probably beat Alabama, and then you're you have a better shot at winning a bowl game and you you could be talking about a season that finished what 9 and 4 we'd be in a totally different place right now as a program all across the board you wouldn't have had the uh the fireworks of the off season or just put it that way and then you uh but but this staff right now has to win has to win in my mind 8 games bo nix can help you win 8 games if he was on this team right now it remains to be seen if the four guys there right now can can do that. Had had you gone nine and four last year and there was no semblance of a hot seat, then I think it becomes a more interesting discussion because then it's one year of Bo Nix or develop these four guys who have can play at this school for multiple years, and it's it's a matter of. Okay, it's almost like do you do you play a Robbie Asher? Do you play a TJ Finley? Do you play a Zach Calzada? And it may be bumpier to start out this year, but 
you're going to be more successful in the long run because you're building that experience. You're you're developing somebody rather than having a one-year stopgap. Here's how I would answer this question. And again, it's a would you rather. Would you rather in this year, 2022, would you rather have the current quarterback battle that we're in or would you rather have one more year of Bo Nix at quarterback? Here's how I answer this question. In Bo Nix's last year here at Auburn, before he got hurt, we saw him make some improvements. We saw him get better. Not by a lot, but we did see him get better. His first three years at Auburn, he was the same quarterback as when he walked on campus that he was in his last three years, right? He never got any better as a quarterback. Sure, he won Auburn some games. He probably lost Auburn some games. He but did, in his, He did both. Yeah, he exactly. Absolutely, absolutely did both. In his last year... We saw him make some improvements. And with another offseason under Brian Harson and this coaching staff, and without all of the offseason drama, you're right. Last year would not have ended the way that it did. The offseason would not have happened the way that it did. And you would have another returning starter on the offense, and you would have a returning starter at the quarterback position who I think would have gotten better during this offseason because we saw him get better last year. If TJ Finley has gotten better, you best believe that Bo Nix would have gotten better in the offseason. You come into this season with a returning starter with Bo Nix, who's been there for what would be four years now. He's the starter, and you have guys like Holden Gariner and, and uh, Robbie Ashford behind him that can have an entire year through an offseason and through a regular season to get better, and then your future is built even better with whoever it's going to be, Gariner, Ashford, or whoever else. Plus, you have a guy in Bo Nix that's going to be better than he was last year. He's going to win you some football games. And with the schedule stacked up like it is, I think Auburn could put eight or nine wins on the on the stat sheet this year if Bo Nix is your quarterback this year. And then your future would be better because you don't have to worry about putting a true freshman quarterback out there again in Robbie Ashford or Holden Garner. You can put the guy in the future that's going to have some experience and have a better development because you had a starter in Bo Nix at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, I think that everything about the scenario that Auburn is in going into 2022, if Bo Nix had not gotten hurt and had he returned, you're in a completely different place. You're coming off a at least an eight-win year because I because you you do beat Alabama and you do beat South Carolina with a healthy Bo, Bo Nix. I I you cannot convince me otherwise. The bowl game's kind of up in the air because you because don't know who you're playing. You would have played somebody else exactly. But, but so you go eight and four, solid first year. You are you have something to seriously build on. You would have an Iron Bowl win in year one, an Iron Bowl win and a win in Baton Rouge, which would be almost what feels like completely unprecedented for an Auburn coach in year one. Um, and then you would go into this year two, and the narrative would be so different. It wouldn't be, Auburn wouldn't be in the, the discussion for last in the SEC. Instead, Auburn would be in the discussion for, for or last in the SEC West, rather. Auburn would be in the discussion for second in the SEC West. It'd be Auburn and Texas A&M. Who's, who's going to take that second spot? Or Ole Miss. Some people, for some reason, think that Ole Miss is going to be awesome this year, which I don't see it. But, but I think that the entire narrative would have been shifted, and you would f- the the ceiling is higher. I think I think the the ceiling and the floor would be higher with Bo Nix at quarterback. I think your ceil- your floor would be about seven wins. I think your ceiling could be ten wins, maybe maybe eleven, because you could catch that Georgia team red hot five and zero going into Athens, and they're replacing so much. When you talk about 
if Bo Nix were to be the starter on this team this year. And again, the question is, would you rather have the quarterback battle right now and one of these guys start the 2022 season, or would you rather have Bo Nix for one more year wearing the Auburn helmet and uniform? The argument that a lot of people are making for TJ Finley right now, I think they would make for Bo Nix as well. Yeah, You kind of know what you're getting out of him. But my my response to that is I think he would have gotten better during this offseason. Yes. I think he, he would, would be he would be Bo Nix, if this was the year that he was starting one more time for Auburn, this would be the best version of Bo Nix that we saw in an Auburn uniform. And Absolutely. I think that would benefit Auburn greatly. They win a lot of games this year if Bo Nix is the starting quarterback with this current team. Let's forget about the guys that left because of the offseason stuff. Let's say that they left anyway, whatever. I'm talking in the current team, current roster, 10 days away from kickoff, and you just throw Bo Nix into the starting rotation at the quarterback position, Auburn wins a lot of football games this year. There's some games they're not going to win, and there's some things that may not go their way, but you're going to start out 5-0 and at home. You're going to have a chance to beat Georgia on the road. You're going to have a chance to beat Ole Miss on the road. You're going to beat Arkansas at home. I think like Those are winnable games that Bo Nix, as a fourth-year starter who's better than he's ever been, is your quarterback at 2022. I think if Bo Nix is the quarterback in 2022, you are capable of winning every game on the schedule except for in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Because I think that Alabama team is going to be an absolute buzzsaw this year. And honestly, like one of, one of my favorite things thinking about this year is just because I'm so tired of hearing about Texas A&M, I cannot wait for that Alabama A&M game because I feel like that's just going to be it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. That's exactly right. It's going to be uh, nasty. But so yes, Bo Nix. I mean, with the in the current situation, every scenario would point to yes. You would you would take the one year with Bo Nix. Is there it any would reason everybody's job? Yeah. Is there any reason that somebody would choose the quarterback battle right now versus Bo Nix? Not saying they're wrong. And if you're one of those people, I'd love to hear why that is. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Is there any way that you would take the current quarterback situation versus Bo Nix as a fourth year starter for Auburn? Not really. I mean, the, the, it would be an extremely weak argument, I think, in my mind. But if the season had finished completely differently, if you don't finish on five losses and instead you finish with a win against South Carolina and a win against Alabama and a and a win in the bowl game, then maybe you're you're talking about year two has some sort of rebuild year and like gearing up for 2023 is going to be the year where you're you're legitimately competing with Alabama for an SEC championship game because I mean also if if Auburn finishes last year stronger you finish that recruiting cycle stronger and then you're sitting in a much better spot in this 2023 recruiting class mm-hmm. i mean you could the entire landscape would be different and maybe you can justify going with one of these guys now as a to see what you have um in in 2022 to go into 2023 with i just but, think looking at the future and looking at the just the entire landscape of what this season holds and what is at stake in this 2022 season, I mean, I just think you would you'd be so much better off having a returning starter in Bo Nix who would I think would get better in the offseason during this entire situation rather than being a week and a half out and not having a starting quarterback. We saw the 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 development of Bo Nix last year. At the beginning of the year, it was almost like he was trying too hard to to develop and and be what Brian Harson wanted in the pocket and then you saw him revert back to old Bo Nix for that Georgia State game and it wasn't pretty 
And then you saw the light bulb kind of come on in Baton Rouge when he kind of married old Bo Nix and Brian Harson Bo Nix into what ended up being the best version of Bo Nix that we had seen to that point. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Tie the Tiger, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey, guys. Uh, so I, I just have to disagree. I think Bo Nix got a lot better last year. But, again, like I think I talked to you earlier this week, the offensive line was, was what well, to me, what was holding him back from his freshman year. If you took his freshman year offensive linemen and his freshman year receivers and put and put them with the Bo Nix from last year, I think you know we might be even better than eight and four. Um, I mean, you know, you got Seth Williams, who I mean, again as a freshman saved his butt on a lot of a lot of games, a lot of throws, a lot of first downs, a lot of scenarios. Uh, I mean, game winner in Oregon. I mean, Bo Nix. I mean, he didn't put it in no precision passing he threw it up and Seth Williams you know mossed that dude and and scored the touchdown um and so to me I think he did get better I think it was it, it was kind of a, a a situation where I don't think Bo and his family felt like he could win um not win games but win the fan base win the That's the true. um what he needed, to, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Win the aura of the of the crowd. The and time, the people behind him. the time for Bo Nix at Auburn, the marriage had 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 run its course. I think I completely agree. Ty, I yeah. I I 100 agree. Bo Nix got better last year. He absolutely did. And I'm not. I choose not to look at that as an indictment on Bo Nix. I choose to look at that uh, er, the the fact that he improved under Harson more than we saw under Malzahn. That's not an indictment of Bo Nix in my mind. That's an indictment of the quarterback development from the Malzahn program to the Harson program. I think you have a better quarterback developer running the program right now, and Bo Nix absolutely got better last year. I I also think that in those first couple years, as bad as the the offensive line was, and as much as he ran for his life. There were definitely times where he brought pressure upon himself where he kind of, whether it be, you want to use the seeing ghost quote by Sam Darnold, like he saw pressure that wasn't there and he ran into more pressure and he put himself in some bad, bad spots. And yeah, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, with, with offensive line and the receivers, he'd have been in the Heisman, you know, race or anything like that. But I, I again, I do think he got better. I do think his supporting cast was worse than his freshman year, uh, to me, 100%. I mean, how many games do we just sit there and go, you know, Bo, was, Bo might have been 12 for 20, but, you know, you could sit there and think about five catches that the receivers had for first downs that they dropped. Right. You know, in first half. I mean, the Arkansas game is one of them. I can just think off the top of my head that that's a totally different game. And, or I'm not – I'm sorry, not Arkansas. Um, um Penn State, you know, uh, I just felt like a lot. I mean, you know, it, again, and that's to me. Again, I just revert back to the exact same thing that I said the other day. We can have Tom Brady back there, but if we don't have an offensive line that's moving the pile, and we don't have receivers who are going to catch the ball, I don't care who you got. They they got to improve as well. And I know, you know, and, and and it's it's easy to look at the quarterback position and put all the pressure on him. But you know, football is that one that one game that you know, you know, it's different from baseball and basketball. You know, you have a baseball, you can have a dominant pitcher, and you don't even need the eight guys in defense. 
You know what I mean? I mean, he's going to shut, shut them all down and sit them all down, and it's going to be done. But a quarterback, you know, you've got to have a running back that's going to that's going to get you yards. You've got to have that offensive lineman that's going to protect you. And he didn't have that last year. Now, what is now? Does like you said, does, is that a dinger on Harson? Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, you know, a lot of uh, a, a lot of people jumped ship when Malzahn got got fired. And if we had all the guys, I think, come back that should have to me come back. Um, you know, we would have been a little bit better last year. Right. Well, uh, well, Ty, I agree with you, man. And look, we're up against a break. We appreciate the call. That's right, Ty man. the Tiger here on the uh, Wednesday edition of On the Line. Look, he I, he was kind of agreeing with what we were saying, and Bo Nix got better last year. He's talking about putting Bo Nix with some better talent. I think that's what this team brings you this year in 2022. If Bo Nix were to play on this year's team, there's a lot of talent in this offensive room the wide receivers have taken a huge step up we think they're going to be solid you have tight ends that are actual threats in the offense I think the offensive line it should be the best we've seen in the next couple of years because it's now or never we've talked about that too you've got two running backs that are going to be all SEC in some way shape or form so the offense is going to be better this year you still have a question mark at the quarterback position but imagine if you didn't with Bo Nix at the quarterback, I think this year would be a huge success if you start Bo Nix in 2022. Ty, we appreciate the call. We are up against our final break here on this Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll come back and wrap it up here on on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to all our callers today and uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We talked to him back in the first hour about everything going on in Athens. So if you missed anything from the show today, be sure and go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. You can find it commercial-free right after the show. So make sure you go and do that. Uh, Carter, with a couple of minutes here, we've been talking about why it bothers us and why it worries us a little bit that we're 10 days away and we still don't have a starting quarterback named. All signs have been leading to TJ Finley, but as we sit here today, the concern begins to grow. The confidence in these quarterbacks from the coaches, it must not be there, and something must be going on behind the scenes for another person to try and take over this starting position. And my perspective is they still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be as we're 10 days away from the season. Yeah, I think that if it's TJ Finley named the starter sometime around Monday, it's the past week is definitely going to have shaken my confidence the already shaky confidence that I did have in, in TJ Finley's ability. The fact that it wasn't named yesterday. If it's going to be TJ Finley, there's no reason for it not to have happened yesterday. In my mind. Everything was pointing to it. The the In my head, the only way I can rationally explain this is Robbie Ashford is legitimately closing ground. And it's just keeping that window cracked. Keeping that door cracked and allowing him to kick it open and and take the job here and show enough to not only convince the coaches, but convince the team that he is the starting quarterback for the 2022 season. If it's going to be Robbie Ashford, you and I have talked about it. 
I think he needs you need to name him on Monday because I think he needs as many reps as possible in these first two games against a real opponent, a lesser opponent at that, but to build confidence because Penn State, you go Penn State, and then you're in SEC play. You go Penn State, Missouri, LSU, Georgia. Like you're you're in the gauntlet starting week three. For me, with this entire quarterback battle, as we do final take here, as we wrap up this Wednesday edition of On the Line, my final take is is is, is this: the confidence in these quarterbacks is not there. It's not there by the coaches. It's not there by the players. It's not there by the media, and it's not there by the fans. As of right now, there is zero confidence on who's going to be the starting quarterback for Auburn in the next week and a half against Mercer. That's an issue. That's an issue for Brian Harson. That's an issue for this football program. And that's an issue for the future of this team and this program in year 2022 and beyond. You're 10 days away and you have four guys in the room and you still can't make a call and none of them have have shown that they are ready to play SEC football as QB1, that's concerning to me. And if you can't find that by now, what are the next 10 days going to change? Because what this tells me, as we've sort of talked about this today as we wrap up with Final Take, is what this tells me is none of them are ready to be a starting quarterback for Auburn. None of them have shown that they have that the dog in him and that fight, right? None of them have it. None of them have shown it. So what are the next 10 days going to prove and how is it going to change? My final take is this. You need to name a starter. And you need to name a starter who's going to give you the best chance to win for the season. Not against Mercer. Not against San Jose State. Not against Penn State. But the entire season. There's no reason to be moving quarterbacks around and, and doing to 2017 Clemson this is where you name a starter and you ride with him unless the train just comes completely off the tracks in those first two games. For me, name your starter and roll with him no matter who it is in the next 10 days. I'm now, I've, I've moved and I'm firmly going to plant my flag in the camp that it is, T, it is Robbie Ashford rather. It's Robbie Ashford or I have serious concerns. It's either, it's either the hope of Robbie Ashford, or I'm going to be a little bit, hello darkness, my old friend, I don't have any faith in TJ Finley over here. Confidence is low. That's what we know. And uh, the question mark continues to grow for this quarterback room in this 2022 season for Auburn. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.